0: You are listening to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. And welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and tonight we are going to get into it. We are going to talk about the R. Kelly trial, and specifically what's coming up, and it, which starts tomorrow, if you can believe that. So let's get to it now. For those of you who are in the room, because we had to do a second start. I'm just going to resend this real quick on Facebook and the other platforms. So if you will just bear with me one moment. I'm going to take care of that and then we're going to get started because there's some folks who are trying to get in the room and they may be looking for us. So I don't want anybody to miss it. So just give me a few moments and we will and we're going to start. Those of you who are already in the room, welcome. If I see Jordan Alex is already here, if you have any questions, make sure you let me know what those questions are right away because we want, I definitely don't want anybody to miss out on this. There is so much to talk about with this case. So I want to make sure that everybody gets it. So as soon as, um, so as soon as I resend, This link will get started. So I'm just resending it to a couple of people because um, we had to do a redo, but no biggie. I think anybody who was going to come on, hell, they're going to come on or not, right? And so anybody who wasn't, forget it. I'm not going to worry about it. And this is going to be up tomorrow for those, well, it'll probably be up tonight for those who missed, uh, who missed it tonight because there's going to be a lot of really, really good information. So those of you who are listening, please, please, please share it with your networks so that they can come on and find out some good stuff. Okay, so let's get started since I'm recording this anyway. First things first, for those of you who were aware, uh, maybe not aware that the R. Kelly trial has started, it has already begun. And what the uh, the first place that's dealing with this trial is going to be New York. The reason why New York is dealing with the case first is because it is, the feder- it is the one that's federal. The other states are uh, dealing with their cases on the state level. So that is why things are a bit different in those places. Because I know most people who knew I was doing this show today asked me, well, why was he being held in Chicago for so long? And now all of a sudden the case is in New York. Well, that is because... The uh, And that is because federal cases tend to take precedence. It's, you know, just a lot of people blowing smoke. You know the deal. If you've ever watched Law and Order, you've seen how that goes, right? So let's start by talking about what he is charged with. I think things get very confusing with this case because he is charged with so many things. And all you ever hear about is the sex trafficking, the alleged assaults, the alleged kidnapping. And you're gonna hear me say alleged a lot in all of this because he has not been convicted of anything. So it has nothing to do with any specific affinity for R. Kelly. Technically he has not been convicted of anything and I'm a lifelong criminal defense attorney. So I take my allegedly's very seriously. So tonight, what we're going to talk about so that when the trial starts, you will be the smartest people at the the water cooler. We are going to talk specifically about what he's charged with because it's a little bit more intricate. Well, actually, a lot more intricate than what has been shown on television where there's just constant accusations being thrown around. Secondly, we're going to talk about some of the pretrial issues that the court has already dealt with. And finally, we're going to talk about some of the some of the evidence that is expected to come in, the types of witnesses, the types of things that are being offered, and perhaps even some expected outcomes. And Just so you know, this is just the beginning because Robert Sylvester Kelly, but we'll call him R. Kelly because that's how everybody knows him, has two other states and many, many charges to deal with, which we will talk about at the end. So for anybody who's been following this case, Robert R. Kelly Sylvester Kelly was charged back in 2019. Well, it was a a barrage of charges coming from multiple directions, late 2018, early 2019. And so he's been in jail since 2019 and, and held in a federal prison in Chicago for most of that time. He was transported finally to New York to a federal holding center there in June. So he was at the uh, Metropolitan Detention Center, well, in New York. So local and uh, federal people are held there. So New York is hitting him with charges that go well beyond the the scope of what most people even realize. I mean, when I pulled this indictment, I said, wow, we have definitely got to do an an episode of this, because even though this case is not going to be televised, most federal cases are not, it is going to be highly scrutinized. I suspect there would have been a lot more talk about this case, but as those of us who are news junkies know this has not been a slow news week. There's been a whole lot going on out there between Afghanistan and you know, all you know, all manner of things, COVID, etc. But the R. Kelly trial, although many delays full steam ahead, the jury has already been impaneled. The jury was chosen as of last week. It actually finished a little bit quicker than they thought. So there's been a bit of a pause. There's a jury of seven men, five women. We don't have any additional detail. Sometimes you'll get information like um, we'll get information on our juries at the very least, like the racial makeup, maybe how many of them are working class versus professional, that type of thing. However, in this trial, everything is very closed lip and part of that is because there is there is the expectation that this jury will be partially um, partially sequestered. Why? Because there has been multiple allegations and some charges that have arisen out of... Incidents involving some of R. Kelly's alleged associates um, for going after potential victims or witnesses, and because of those allegations of witness tampering, there's a concern that the jury could be at risk. And when we get deeper into the charges, it makes even more sense because of the way he's being charged. So first things first, New York, unlike Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Chicago, Illinois, is charging R. Kelly very differently. He is not being charged with individual counts of sexual assault. Yes, those counts are underscoring what's going on here. However, he is being charged with running an entire criminal enterprise. Yes, uh, R. Kelly, his first count, he is being charged with racketeering. He is being charged under the rico statute the r and the r and rico stands for racketeering so this they are looking at him almost i guess the best example to give that most people would think about when people have these types of charges would be mafia level charges or you know a vast in, uh, enterprise of drug dealers. That's usually who tends to fall under a, a RICO type situation unless you're talking about it on the white collar crime side. The other four charges, because there's five counts altogether, are under the Mann Act. And when we get to those charges, I'll explain a little more about what those charges mean. So this stuff is very very serious. So I'm going to go through the indictment. I think that that's a very important place for us to start because when you hear, and you will, when you hear about the opening statements tomorrow, the opening statements, if you all have listened to me before, you know it's the roadmap. It is the broad stroke, both from the prosecution and the defense about where they plan to go in their case prosecution what they plan to prove the defense is going to obviously go into a an extended discussion of what burden the prosecution can't meet or hasn't met or will not have met by the time the case is over so you're going because of the types of charges, it's going to sound a lot different from what people expected, because I think most people just thought these were going to be, a, I hate to put it this way, but run of the mill assault charges when he is being charged in a much broader sense. And again, when I break this down, it'll all kind of swing so first you're going to hear me talk about some definitions as we go through things so it'll make sense as we talk about it all right so the enterprise this is serious page one paragraph one that the uh feds go right in calling robert sylvester kelly his managers bodyguards drivers personal assistants and runners They his of also known as his entourage comprised an enterprise. And it's very important for the government to establish that there was an enterprise that is very key to these racketeering charges. And the enterprise within 18 USC 1961, an enterprise is a group of individuals who are associated and engaged in activities which affect interstate and foreign and foreign commerce and the enterprise constituted an ongoing organization whose members functioned as a continuing unit for a common purpose of achieving the objectives of the enterprise and in this case the objectives of the enterprise is crime right and we're going to get into that ultimately in this case, what this enterprise was about, and in any racketeering case, it's crime. The purposes of R. Kelly's criminal enterprise because, or alleged criminal enterprise, and this is where things get very interesting. The enterprise, which is again, made up allegedly of his managers, bodyguards, drivers, personal assistants, and runners. And if I forget later, Later on one of you type in here if those of you who are in the live room remind me that I said I want one of you to tell me why that could be a potential problem. The enterprise were to promote his music and the R Kelly brand and to recruit women and girls to engage in illegal sexual activity with Kelly By promoting R. Kelly's music in the R. Kelly brand, the members of the enterprise expected to receive financial opportunities, personal benefits, including increased power and status within the enterprise. So that's why anybody would work for their boss and do what their boss wants them to do, right? So that you can gain favor, make more money, whatever it is that's important to you as it relates to that enterprise. In connection with the enterprise, Kelly and other members of the enterprise traveled throughout the United States. That's what an entertainer does right and other parts of the world to concert venues to promote the R Kelly brand and to recruit women and girls to engage in illegal sexual activity with Kelly and If anybody is already beginning to follow my train of thought, you know why, at least with my defense attorney hat on, I have some concerns about the mashup here. Now, that's not to say that once we get into some of the underpinnings of this. That the feds won't be able to swing it back around their way, but I must, uh, I'm going to just stop and say it now so I don't forget later. The reason why I have a concern with the way this is phrased and I'm sure somebody has already looked at this and when they do their opening statements tomorrow, it'll all be said a lot differently. This is an indictment from uh, 2019 uh, that I'm reading the reason why I have an issue with the way that this is phrased is because all of those people are people who would be generally involved with the promotion of anybody's music career or acting career or stage play and the building of their brand. Managers, handlers, drivers, who else is on here? Bodyguards, personal assistants, runners, I don't know, get your weed or or your Chicken nuggets, whatever. These are people who, in the normal course of things that are absolutely legal, would be they'd be doing those things anyway. They would be doing those things for Beyonce. Maybe not the same folks that work for R. Kelly, but anyone in his industry in the normal course of dealing would be doing those things. So it does just because those individuals are doing those things. It doesn't mean automatically, at least if I were his defense attorney, one of the first things that I would hammer away at is the fact that those people are doing their job in the furtherance of promoting and making his brand bigger to help him gain and maintain superstar status. That does not automatically mean that their reason for doing those things is Not just so that he becomes rich and famous. Of course, you know, they want him to become rich and famous, but also so that they can get underage girls. The fact that underage girls may or may not have been a part of this. My argument would be that doesn't necessarily mean that the criminal, that, that, well, I won't even say criminal enterprise, that the enterprise, the entity, the group around R. Kelly was set up just to do that. Those things would be in place for anyone. It just so happens that the person that they were done for has a specific proclivity and that proclivity also ended up becoming a part of what he did, what they may have helped to do for him. So it becomes a bit of what came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Because if you you really get, in my opinion, and again, I am sure that the Intelligent building full of minds in the AG's office has already figured this out. But just in looking at it on the face of the indictment, because it maybe is just, it could be just a function of the way it's written. To me, you get into dangerous territory, at least, um, you know, as a prosecutor, is great for me from the defense standpoint. You get into dangerous territory when you start saying that the things that people would do in the normal course of business because that is literally what is required to make someone a star and effectuate that lifestyle and everything else that the reason they did it was for the criminal enterprise no the them doing it allowed them to operate a criminal enterprise because then they had the money the means the airplanes nobody bothering them because of course then he became powerful and he's writing songs for everybody from you know michael jackson to celine dion yes at a certain point who he was what he had and the people he had around him allowed the criminal side of things to thrive but again you, you are in some real muddy territory if you say that that is why the criminal enterprise was built. I don't necessarily think you have to, though. So I, I think the feds are going to be OK with that. But it'll it's going to be very interesting in terms of how they phrase this when they get into court and, you know, how that phrasing looks compared to the indictment so anyway back to this now this is where we find out some of the good meaty stuff when kelly attended and performed at concerts and other events he and or members of the enterprise because it's easier than just mentioning them all by name on his behalf invited the girls and women backstage and to other events following his performances. The women and girls were offered wristbands that signified they were authorized to attend. There, Kelly relied upon members of the enterprise to ensure that those authorized to attend were allowed at the event and to manage the flow of girls and women. We've seen this, right? It's whether you're dealing with rappers, whether you're dealing with old school rock stars, we've seen many a documentary and behind the music. So long story short, A lot of this is the same stuff that the roadies do, right? They get the pretty girls that the singer may be interested in, and they make sure that they get backstage and what have you. If you lived a little, it may have even happened to you. Been there. Not going to get deeper into the story. I don't know who else is listening when kelly identified a girl or a woman he wished to, to see again he either gave his contact info got her contact info i mean that's what it boils down to uh Slovel groupies i mean it's of course th- this is a, a nice little neat uh <laughs> federal indictment but ultimately you're talking about the groupie life Right, And this isn't new to R. Kelly. This goes back to the beginning of time in every genre of music. I've had a discussion with some gospel singers about the fact that there's even gospel groupies out there. So it is what it is. I mean, hell, you got the church groupies of women who want to take pastor chicken, hoping that he wants a little bit more than just the chicken. Following the events, he communicated with these women by phone, through the use of calls, text messages, all of that stuff. So again, groupie life. I am not answering that question. <laughs> okay. Someone is asking me in the in the room whether or not I live the groupie life. I did not. I am happy to say, I just happened to be at a concert and me and my friends were the cute people who were approached, not the ones who were knocking on the door. Thank you very much. So Kelly and other members also arranged for the girls to travel to see him on occasion. Again, sounds nothing new. This, none of this sounds like anything we haven't heard from NBA and NFL players, right? Um, the, the women and girls arrived at the lodging. It was typically selected by a member of the enterprise. They took steps. Now, this is where R. Kelly crossed the line into some potential Rick James, Marquis de Sade territory. Yes. So, it, so Slovel, this is exactly. Um, slovel is someone in the room and said, so he paid for girls to travel and come to his room. Again. Some of this stuff is nothing new. You can watch any rockumentary. If we were to pull up any number of, of uh, shows behind the music or any of those things, that was the best show ever uh, from, what was that, MTV VH1. And you see this with everybody from Motley Crue to Elvis. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? So, And, of course, we know with those rockers in the 80s, it was – Please, and let's not even talk about uh, Rick James and all of that. Well, and and again, Slavel, we're going to get to where the crime stuff comes in, into play because this is what I this is what I'm saying. Some of these things sound like the typical groupie life, and unfortunately, it it sounds like even the life of. A typical roadie or intern, maybe even a manager, for some of these people, your handlers, your or your hangers-ons, who pick the pretty girls out, whether they're picking them out to be on stage with to, you know, sometimes when the singer or rapper invites young lady or young ladies or young men on stage, and it never goes any further than that, or the ones who do go further than that. But this is now where we start to get into Creekville. Members of the enterprise, again, even arranged for the women to attend his concerts. We know that. However, he then had numerous rules. Once you get into these rules, that's where things take a left because that's when you start talking about... um, issues of abuse and holding people beyond their will sleep deprivation food deprivation those types of things again when i talk about the enterprise the enterprise is r kelly and his entourage so just think of you know for most most of the times when we're talking about celebrities all of these people would be in their entourage. So in this particular situation, we're talking just replace entourage with enterprise because the feds are trying to establish a case. So they have to use the words that you would find in the statute to drive the point home that they're trying to make, which is that this situation with R. Kelly went beyond just an entourage And into an actual criminal enterprise because the things that they did went, you know, went into criminal territory. Uh, I'm going to get into some of those things in a moment. So these were some of the main rules. The women and girls were not permitted to leave their room without receiving permission from Kelly, including to eat or go to the bathroom. The women and girls were required to wear baggy clothing when they were not accompanying Kelly to an event or unless otherwise instructed by Kelly. And some of these things, if we, if you saw either the documentary surviving R. Kelly or the ladies who um, did the interview with Gail King after he did his and in various other places, you, some of these things are going to sound familiar. Right now, we just see them all in one place and amazingly in a federal court indictment. The girls, the women and girls were not permitted to look at other men and instead were told to keep their heads down and the women and girls were required to call Kelly Daddy. For the purposes of this case, of course, they have to establish jurisdiction and say that the enterprise, the enterprise, Uh, did operate within the Eastern District of New York because they have to establish jurisdiction. Now, this part is important because it goes into methods and means. And the methods and means is a fancy way of saying, what did they do and how did they keep this going? What makes this an enterprise in terms of the types of activities they did versus, as we mentioned earlier, Just an entourage with some people who were important to his brand. And then, of course, some people who were just hangers on and doing whatever they had to do to stay in the mix. So some of these. So some of the conduct that they are alleged to have committed, which now puts them under the scrutiny of the feds are and there's four main things committing, attempting, and aiding or abetting the commission of crimes. Two, conspiring to commit those crimes, including but not limited to engaging in sexual activity with girls under age 18. Three, engaging in and facilitating sexual activity without disclosing a sexually transmitted disease Kelly had already contracted and knew that he had. And four, producing child pornography which is any time that there are pictures of a person underage taken and transmitted you've produced it as soon as you've taken the picture you are now involved in the transmitting of it the minute you send it and this includes minors sending it to other minors which i have to tell minors all the time they demanded absolute commitment to kelly and not tolerating dissent And his entourage or his enterprise, of course, enforced these rules, obtaining sensitive information about members and associates of the enterprise to maintain control over them. So then you're involved in my enterprise and I make sure I know stuff about you so that I could keep you in check. Recruiting and grooming sexual partners for Kelly isolating women and girls from friends and family and making them dependent on Kelly for their financial well-being, which would be um, if you, of course, if you're dependent on him, then that's a means of coercion, because if you're isolated, and dependent, then all the more reason for you to feel like you have to do whatever it is that this person tells you to do or Where do you go? What do you do? You have nothing. You have no one. And when you're talking about minors in particular, they don't have the broadness of foresight and understanding that the world is bigger than just R. Kelly. And pretty much anybody, once they're isolated, starved in in all of the other things that are talked about, forced labor, which is also going to come up. So, The defendant, who is Robert Sylvester Kelly, because there are other people charged, but they're not, nobody really cares about their trials. He is considered the leader of the enterprise. Therefore, just like if this was a mafia situation, you want to go after the Don if you can get him. And, And that is who R. Kelly is considered to be in this situation. So, count one racketeering. So, like I said, this is huge because you are talking about, you're talking about RICO, okay? So count one, which is racketeering. Now, this case, both when you're dealing with count one, as well as when we get to counts three, uh, two through five under the MAN Act, just so that you know, I'm, I'm just gonna give you a broad stroke. All of these cases center on five Jane Doe's now each of them have some of the things that happened to them or allegedly happened to them i'm sorry some of the things that allegedly happened to them are similar some of the things that uh allegedly happened to them um are violent some not so much um and a lot of them center on whether or not they were minors, because depending on the age, then obviously there's just certain behaviors that under the law, you can't consent to. So you're going, so that's going to be problematic no matter what, especially when we are talking about taking someone over state lines or having them live with you and all of the, and some of the other things we're going to get into. Jane Doe's one, three, and four, are all were all minors at the time of the alleged offenses? Jane Doe's two and five were uh, were not are not listed as minors, so obviously we can consider them to be adults. The charges or the allegations, not the charges, the allegations go back between Jane Doe one and Jane Doe five as far back as 1999. Uh, Slovel, who's in the room, just asked, "How do you know they were minors? The indictment identifies them as minors. In fact, some for some of these charges, the fact that they are minors is an aggravating circumstance that led to them led to the um, the charges as it relates to them. Because, as we know, when it comes to certain issues, particularly when it comes to sex depending on the age of the minor they're not able to consent that the law just doesn't even allow for that no matter what especially if well particularly i won't say especially particularly if the person as is an adult so um hi big j nineteen seventy. so next we have uh, so as i said they go back to 1999 and interestingly enough actually kind of scary some of this comes as far it comes all the way up to 2018 so this is a pretty uh number one it is a vast indictment until in terms of the number of years and two it also speaks to the fact that these behaviors, which we kind of saw with all of the mess that was going on with some of these women in the news, but these behaviors allegedly were going on pretty much right up until he was arrested. And again, as, as, as we know, there were issues with, um, parents, complaining, some, you know, it it got, as we know, it did get kind of messy, but we do know that there was some mess of some kind that was going on literally up right through his arrest and afterwards because some of these women, at least I think two of them in particular, were still living in the residence that they had with him uh, now, these two, there's some, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into them because there was, uh, it, it was very messy. So there was some questions about how much of that was brainwashing, how much of it was consensual. There was some weird stuff with parents going on. So I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but let's just say that stuff was messy. So we're going to stick with The alleged victims in the case. And in those cases, those individuals, uh, the individuals in these cases went from 99 to 2018. And I'm going to get into it in a little bit. There's even a piece of this that involves Aaliyah that, that, the prosecution is using to shore up their case as it relates to the criminal enterprise piece that the judge did rule could come in, which would then take it all the way back to 1994. So that is the broad stroke of at least the individuals who are involved in this, and the charges, again, largely stem from the type of activity that they were allegedly forced to perform, the manner in which they were held, and some is, you know, at, at least a couple of the ones from Chicago were considered to be kidnapping, forced labor, and sexual assault, particularly as it relates to the minors. Now, the charges under the Mann Act all relate to Jane Doe number 5, and as I mentioned before, are the most recent alleged offenses uh, occurring between May 2017 and February 2018. That I think is the part of the case that is going to be the most interesting and where if the prosecution wants to win those cases, I think they're making some, uh, they've got some good stuff for the racketeering charge, I'm going to be very interesting to see how they present the case as it relates to those Mann Act cases, because they all relate to the same person and that person was of age. So that you know, that's always a little funky with the jury when you have cases that involve sexual assault where the person wasn't thrown down in an alley and you know assaulted in that manner because the reality of it is that there are many different ways that assault can be committed but the average local yokel just doesn't quite get that so the overall is in or about January 1999 in the present, both dates being approximate and inclusive within the Eastern District of New York and elsewhere, because, you know, they would fly all over. Robert Kelly, together with others, being a person employed by and associated with the enterprise, engaged in activities which affected interstate and foreign commerce. So we talked about that, but ultimately they are saying that this was a pattern of racketeering activity. Now, this is where the power of the feds really shows up big time in terms of the number of people that they put on your case and the amount of work they put in it. In order to show a pattern of racketeering activity the way that you need certain racketeering acts, the statute only requires you to show two. Now, of course, you're going to try to show more than that, right? But if you show two or three really good ones, That's enough, especially if there was actual crime involved with it. Well, when it comes to the aura, the Eastern District of New York is not playing with his ass. They have decided that they are going to use 11, not just 2 or 3. So, Racketeering Act 1 involves Jane Doe 1, who was a minor. That actually happened in Illinois, but again, traveling over state lines. And according to the indictment, they knowingly, the of course, uh, Robert Kelly and his enterprise, that they intentionally employed, used, persuade, induced, enticed, or coerced a minor, Jane Doe, Her identity is known to them. We just won't know her name to engage in sexually explicit conduct for the purpose of producing one or more visual depictions. So in that particular situation, they are saying that she that there were videos produced and it went out. Now, I'm going to tell you what who I think that this is. And I am pretty damn sure that I'm right because I read something about this before. This is the original video. This is the young lady in the original video that we saw because remember that case ended up not going to trial until eight years later and then he was acquitted. She was grown. The jury didn't buy it. She didn't admit it was her. So in this particular situation, it's not double jeopardy because I know people are going to ask that so I'm going to beat you to the punch. It's not double jeopardy because they are not trying him again for that case. What they're doing is using the alleged evidence from that defense from that case to underscore the fact that a criminal enterprise was going on to wit that he was having sex with a minor and making videos and those videos of course went wherever they went even if the video never left the house it was still illegal the minute he made the video so that is That is what I would guess that situation happened around 99 based on when the original trial happened, the original case. That's what we're talking about in that situation. Racketeering Act 2. That is Jane Doe. It happened allegedly in Illinois around 2003, 2004. That is an alleged kidnapping case. And again, there needs to be an underlying crime in order to fit these racketeering acts. So that's why I'm telling you what the alleged act was. Now, that person was allegedly an adult. That's not one of the ones I had listed as a minor. However, if someone is kidnapped, then that would certainly be a crime. There's also um, act number three under the Mann Act. And the Mann Act deals with transporting women or girls over uh, from place to place, particularly over state lines because of the federal charge um, for the purposes of immoral acts. So this is all encompassing. It, it definitely sweeps up uh, sex trafficking in there. So when you hear about someone being charged with sex trafficking on the federal level, which of course it always is, then it's under the man act. So if you didn't know, you learned something new. So there you got the transportation, the coercion, and in that particular, uh, that particular person taken alleged multiple places, uh, the, there are allegations of rape as it relates to that person as well. Jane Doe, number three, these are racketeering acts four, five, and six that there was in that case under the man act transporting her from place to place forced labor because the person was under physical restraint and told there would be physical harm if they didn't do whatever this forced labor was i think the ladies talked about you know just this weird way that he had of living it was it was almost like a bizarre little cult thing going on or wannabe Uh, And uh, then, of course, six is the sexual exploitation to include more of the child pornography and video. So that was 2009 and 2010, largely going on in Illinois, but they would have her travel from place to place with them. Racketeering Acts 7 involves another minor. Jane Doe, number four. Again, she was transported from place to place, coerced allegedly into sexual acts, um, again, to transportation of minors, allegations of rape as well, and sexual abuse. Those acts occurred in both with that young lady those acts allegedly occurred in both california and connecticut so not only would they have allegedly have these girls but travel from place to place with them i'm sorry if you hear any page flipping but there's just so much of this so that is jane doe number four who's also a minor and those are racketeering acts eight wow those are racketeering acts eight And racketeering act nine was when everything circles back to New York again. This involves Jane Doe number five transporting her back here to New York or back there to New York um, in May of 2017. Coercion and enticed her to go place to place for sexual activity allegedly with him and or his entourage. Force labor by means of force, threats of force, physical restraint and threats of physical restraint to that person or another person by means of serious harm and threats of serious harm. That was January, that was on or about January 13th, 2018. This young lady alleges that she was also taken to California. This is still Jane Doe number five. And then uh, act number 11 under the Racketeering Act, same allegations going on as it relates to the same person Jane Doe number five and that brings everything until on or about February 2nd 2018. So it was about a, about a year with her and then we get into the man act I suspect that the reason why and this is counts now these are all separate counts these are counts two three, Four and five, because when I talked about acts, all of those acts went to shore up count one, which is the racketeering. That is one specific charge. It carries up to twenty years, which is what which is what racketeering carries. Now, under the Mann Act, depending on what it is you're alleged with doing, it will carry ten years or twenty years. R. Kelly is charged with five counts. Two of them are fall under 10 years, two of them fall under 20 years. So the man act charges would have total penalties of 60 years. The Rico Act charge would have uh, up to 20. So altogether, it this would be about, you know, 80 years. Not to say that he would get that, but you know, if someone asks, well, how much time is he facing? Well, up to 80 years. Is that what he's gonna get? No. And this is why. I think that the Jane Doe number five, that her allegations were used specifically for uh, counts two, three, and four under the Mann Act because she was an adult. And so um, it made more sense to not necessarily waste using a lot of the acts that as they related to her. I mean, even though they did use them, but if you're going to get them for additional charges, then they probably felt like it made sense because she was going from being taken from place to place and her situation was the most recent that they could do the man act with her. But I think that that's a double-edged sword. Her situation was the most recent, but at the end of the day, I think the jury is going to have a hard time with the fact that compared to the other victims, she was an adult. Now that's not to say that they won't, that a jury won't find against him as it relates to her because it was so much stuff. I think what will probably be the situation is that if the jury finds him guilty of any charge, charges specifically to Jane Doe number five, they will probably find him guilty of one of them, as opposed to all four of them. Because if they are inclined to find him guilty as it relates to the situation, as it, uh, it as it relates to a situation involving an adult, they will probably think that it's overkill to do it times four when they can just do it once. So that's that's really my thoughts on that. I think that the way that they put together the racketeering charge as it relates to everything else is great. Quite frankly, if I were them, I probably would have used some of those allegations as it relates to the Mann Act charges. But I think that when you look at the other charges and I'll, I'm gonna I'm circling back to them anyway so I'll tell you I think that what it's probably the re- the main reason why they didn't do that just give me a second I just want to make sure I have these years right okay one of the main reasons why they didn't do that is because while charges one three and four are a little bit meatier because they involve minors, They're a little bit farther away. Now, we know with count one, they couldn't use it because then they would be entering double jeopardy territory because it seems pretty obvious that count uh, that Jane Doe one is the young lady in the pee in the shower video. So they weren't going to use that one jane doe number three the situation with her occurred between 2009 and 2010 so again at that point you may have some problems with a jury believing that case if it had to stand up by itself as opposed to it just being used as um as evidence to shore up another charge the count four um It's really not that long. I'm sorry, Jane Doe, number four, who is also a minor, really not that long ago. We're talking July through October of 2015. So the only thing that I can figure with them not using that for one of the man act charges, since it really isn't that long ago, is that maybe uh, once they got deeper into it, there were some facts and circumstances that they were concerned about as it relates to it standing on its own. As far as Jane Doe, number two, her situation is 2003 to 2004. Again, I think they would have run into some concerns that um, just the passage of time it would have been a little problematic to a jury with those cases standing on their own. So I understand why they used uh, Jane Doe number five. I'm just not entirely sure that it's going to be as effective. But the way that this the racketeering charge was put together, the racketeering charge was put together very, very well in terms of the racketeering I'm sorry, in terms of the definition of the racketeering activities and the fact that they took their time and gave you a litany of acts that went on for more than two decades. Now, what are we expecting? Because now you've got the charges. and if you for those of you who may have just turned in, tuned in, I see a couple of people just popped in. for those of you who may have tuned in, now you know that the way that this case is going to be tried in New York is quite different than the way it's going to be tried in Chicago and Minneapolis where they will be dealing very specifically with, you know, sexual assault case number one did he do it? Sexual assault case number two, did he do it? No, these cases are about the running of a criminal enterprise of which sexual assault, child pornography, transporting women was part of what made up the racketeering criminal enterprise, which is a very different type of case than putting on just a straight up, Sexual assault case, a straight up kidnapping case. They are going to have to present evidence of those things, but they will not have to prove each of those things specifically beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, they need to make it sound good and they need the jury to believe it because if the jury doesn't believe that those things happen, then you don't have the criminal enterprise. And that is why they gave the jury so many alleged underlying activities. Now, how are they going to prove this case? Well, as I said, you will need, or how they're gonna attempt to prove this case, you will need the individuals to testify to this stuff so that, like I said, so that the jury does believe that those events, took those things took place. Because if you don't believe the underlying acts took place, then everything that those acts are supposed to signify all falls apart. Now, the, the main witnesses that we know are slated to appear are at least Jane Doe's one through five. That's pretty obvious because they are going to talk about the things that happen to them they are the ones with the main acts but this is where um, things get very interesting and are the subject of motions that have gone back and forth with the court for the past week and a half especially with opening uh statement starting tomorrow and in the and most of them have been ruled a uh, judge and donnelly is on the case um Most of these motions have gone in the prosecutor's favor. So as I mentioned, at least the first six women are going to testify. One of the things that came up in this, and um, we'll talk more about the witnesses in a moment. One of the motions that came up in this is that the prosecution plans to introduce evidence about the situation as it relates to Aaliyah. Now, I'll be specific about that. They it, the issue as it relates to Aaliyah is what the prosecution considers to be one of the one very strong example again of this alleged enterprise type behavior. Not so much because he married Aaliyah, but because of the alleged activity that went on around it. So I'll I'll explain as we all if you. You know, if you're interested in this case, then I'm sure you probably know that story. Allegedly, well, not allegedly, that happened. The marriage license exists. Her parents can deny it until the sun and the moon and the stars. But everybody and their mama knows R. Kelly and Aaliyah got married. I am actually old enough to have been watching television and was watching MTV. I think I was watching The Real World where a news break came on where they were like, oh, my God, here is the marriage license. R. Kelly married Aaliyah. Okay, fine. So R. Kelly married Aaliyah when she was, how old was she? I think she was 15. Yes, she was 15 and and he was in 27. Now that he was 27 and that was in August of 1994. There was an alleged pregnancy. We don't know anything about that. No baby. So we can't say that that actually happened. So. What the prosecution wants to put on is, you know, they're going to have to say this is why it happened. The evidence of the criminal enterprise comes in because as a part of that situation, as you all may know, R. Kelly's people, someone on his team, allegedly bribed a government official in Chicago to make a fake ID showing that Aaliyah's age was 18 instead of 15, thus, A, allowing him to marry her without the parent's permission, and B, if that ever came back to bite them on the ass, they could say, well, we thought she was 18. She had an ID that said she was 18. So it was basically everybody covering their behinds. So the, of course, because any defense attorney worth half of their bar license was going to object to this because This is, it happened in 1994. And given what your client is charged with, you just don't want anybody up there talking about him marrying 15 year old girls when he was 27, especially when Jane Doe number one is going to get up there and say, yeah, when I was like 14, he peed on me in the shower. So Judge Donnelly actually ruled at a pretrial hearing last week that the information about the marriage and the alleged bribery of a government official in Chicago to make a fake ID is, quote, clearly relevant, unquote, and would go towards a motive for racketeering for racketeering act number one now i expect that there will be continued objections about this because you got to make sure your objections are on the record you object all the time just to make sure that if you appeal the first thing the appellate court is going to look at did you object to it at the time so i suspect they're going to continue to object to this because if he is convicted of course they're going to appeal it and it's of course also um important to note that Aaliyah's relatives continue to deny it despite the fact that there's records mama she married him nobody's accusing you of being a bad mama considering that her uncle was there and he was her manager and r kelly's and, and r kelly's manager why would you not think that If I'm not there 24 hours a day and her uncle is there, she'll be fine. Nobody is charged. It is accusing you of child neglect. If it happened, it happened. And even though technically she couldn't legally consent, nobody said that it happened with her kicking and screaming either. So, you know, we get it. Shit happens. It was wrong, but it was wrong because of what he did. Prosecutors were also granted permission again over R. Kelly's team's vehement objections to call about 10 or 12. Now this gets real muddy. Ten or 12 other accusers for crimes he has not actually been charged with to show a pattern of acts going back 30 years so this is your standard objection um hearsay this uh, you know you're you're you have all these people who are going to make these claims about my client that's going to make this jury think that he is the worst person on the planet when these are things that he hasn't even been convicted of standard stuff standard objection absolutely they should make the objection are they gonna win the objection probably not and we know that right that we know that the the judge has already ruled on it that what she has said is essentially she doesn't have an issue with the issue you know I'm, I'm paraphrasing she doesn't have an issue with it coming in but she doesn't want it to be redundant so no they couldn't you know you're not gonna bring in a parade of 30 40 people saying the same thing over and over because then you will get to the point where there is that snowball effect, and there's concern about a jury uh, convicting just because of all of this stuff, as opposed to so, as opposed to just looking at it the way that they are supposed to look at it. Now we know you can't unring um, a bell, but in the legal sense, because everything that's legal from the standpoint of what we do in court isn't always logical in the real world, but um, you know, kind of like when the judge says strike something and the jury is going to act like they never heard it, uh, they heard it. You you can't unring a bell, but whatever. Well, this is kind of the same thing. We don't want them to get to the point where they convict somebody because of all the stuff they're hearing. But if they hear about 10 or 12 people say that he, as these, um, allegations are going to evidence that he committed sexual abuse. There were, there was bribery, there's hush payments, there's unlawful imprisonment and even sex with an underage boy, guess what? things are gonna go to the left. And even though we don't know the makeup of this jury, unfortunately, and I'm just gonna call it what it is because of the rampant and pervasive uh, homophobia, the African-American community, if there are some African-American, particularly African-American males of a certain age on that jury, and there is a boy that gets up there, or a young man now gets up there and say that he and or others were coerced into uh in into sexual acts with R Kelly when they were minors they might convict him just because of that not it the women be damned so there is a concern and I don't know if uh because of course we're not gonna see any of this so everything is gonna be in the transcripts so you all better be showing up and showing out giving me five stars and everything else because in order to bring you this information i've got to comb through transcripts and spend money on Pacer pulling these pulling this information because it's not going to be televised federal court doesn't do that so anyway um so so it gets so it gets real muddy but you got to do what you got to do to put on your case right so uh I talked about the fact that not all of them are going to that um are gonna testify, so the defense attorney continued to argue now this is where it's like some b s They also argued that um they were blindsided by the late notice of additional witnesses, especially and here we go, especially the inclusion of allegations related to teen boys, and um they were saying stuff like oh you know the feds are always doing this stuff especially because of what we saw ha- what we saw happening in the uh weinstein and cosby case first of all cosby case totally different scenarios so i'm not even going to go down that road anybody who listened to me you already know i'm not going to go down this road so don't get told off so but they are uh they're basically saying well they brought it up first of all all of this last minute witness thing, horse puggy. At the end of the day, you have deadlines for when things have to be turned in. As long as the, everybody met their deadline for when the witness list had to be turned over, if that's what their court requires, which it does, as long as they made their deadline, then you can't say, oh, last minute witnesses. It's not last minute, i met the deadline. so that's, So you have from the time of the deadline to whenever we have court, in order to, uh, to review this evidence. So that's one, two, you all are experienced attorneys. I'm not, I know that he's gone through several sets of counsel, but he's still got some pretty hot shot, top notch attorneys who practice in federal court regularly. So if you know that they do this on a regular basis, then why would you then try to say, well, we didn't know they were going to do it. You knew they were going to do it. It's called preparation. Everybody and their mother saw surviving R. Kelly. Everybody and their mother knew that there there is a gaggle of girls big enough to fill the jury box and several benches in the courtroom. And we have always known that. It was just a matter of which ones they were going to call as witnesses because the case is actually built on their backs and which ones were going to be called For the purposes of shoring up that testimony, showing a pattern of conduct, especially given that what he's charged with is best proven by showing a pattern of conduct. Any and so any experienced legal team, like I said, they knew that this was going to happen. So, you know, you argue what you can argue. So that's pretty much where we are. For those of you who just are curious about the other states, it's going to be a while. This chart, this trial, I'm sorry, this trial is expected to last about a month. Uh, And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't last. At least a month, maybe give or take a a few days. I don't think that they'll drag it out very, very long. Um, There are other charges um, in Hennepin County in Minnesota, and of course charges in Cook County, Illinois. There was about ten charges. There was an announcement. uh, Was it earlier this year? Maybe either either earlier this year or late last year by the same prosecutor, the the black woman who uh, was in, who is involved in that whole Jesse Smollett case mess. Can't remember her name at the moment, but anyway, she announced 11 more charges. So basically in Cook County, Illinois alone, he's got 21 total charges, 10 counts of criminal sex abuse in Illinois, and then another 11 charges also involving sex abuse. Um, there is also a solicitation charges solicitation of prostitutes and solicitation of minors in hennepin county minnesota which i believe is minneapolis because i i think the hennepin county is where all the big doings have gone on in the past couple of years with black lives matter just a little bit of history r kelly's last criminal trial as i mentioned earlier was in 2008 involving the shower case and his first sort of court, I guess, I don't know, I'm not even sure if this case necessarily made it to court. I think it did. But anyway, 25 years ago was the first documented case. Now, of course, that's above and beyond the Aaliyah situation. That didn't turn into a case, but we know it happened. But the first documented case in terms of somebody actually accusing him of underage sexual assault, and that was settled out of court in um like i said about 25 years ago so what would that have been like 96 97 for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? and as we've seen it has not stopped uh pretty much since then and when i say not stopped i don't necessarily mean you know convictions or whatever because right now we're still dealing with a lot of allegations but not stopped in terms of the uh, charges being filed against him and the allegations made against him. Uh, As I also mentioned, the jury is made up of seven men and five women. Some of the things that they were asked is um, whether or not they knew him. Most claim that they only knew him from, I believe I can fly. Uh, I think that depends on the age. I think that um, if there are members of the jury who are maybe 60 and over, that could be true. And on the flip side, if they are maybe 30 and under, maybe 35, 30, 35 and under, that could be true. There's a pocket of us in between where if we're black and in New York in particular, because this is um, even though it's a federal case, is in a Brooklyn court in New York, there's a good a twenty-year pocket of us that, in, especially if you are of color, um, and maybe not, because he was a crossover artist. Uh, pretty, uh, he he wrote for a lot of people that we know him for more than I could believe. I believe I can fly, but given that my daughter is fourteen and thought that he was dead since he's been in jail for so long, it's possible that there are some people that only know him from that. I'm not entirely sure that I believe them, I would have to see their demographics. Most claim they knew little to nothing about the case. Uh, I I think that that's possible. And even if they weren't entirely honest about that, because of the way that he's being charged um, and the way that the jury is going to have to apply the law in this case, it is not as straightforward as what people assumed it was, even if they are not entirely truthful, which a lot of people aren't when it comes to high profile cases and claiming they don't know anything. I think this might be the rare, one of the rare instances where it really won't matter quite as much. Would, uh, does that, would something like that matter in the OJ case? Yes. Bill Cosby, you know, yes, um, and and I don't I'm not using those names just because they're black. They they're just high profile cases that came to mind, but uh, I think because their charges were more straightforward and in line with the actual conduct being related to the charge claiming you didn't know them or much about them would be much more problematic, not here because the jury has uh, some extra hoops that they are going to be required to jump through to find him guilty, which is one of the things that probably weighs in his favor, quite frankly. Um, They were also asked about Me Too and any experiences that they or any of their loved ones have had with sexual assault. Um, That's a, a fairly standard question. Even the Me Too part of it, notwithstanding um, I've, de- I've had rape juries before and asking them about experiences either personally or somebody they love, family, friends, et cetera, as it relates to sexual assault are uh, would definitely be just as standard of a question as it would be if it was a murder trial and you asked if anybody in their family was a victim of violent crime. So standard stuff. So this is the first in my series as it relates to this case. So I am definitely going to continue to follow it. I don't expect that I will be doing, in fact, I know I won't because just time doesn't allow for that. At least my time doesn't. I don't expect that I'll be doing an episode every day because, again, since they are not televising it, it makes pulling the information together a a little, a little more time consuming, as opposed to being able to just run it in the background <laughs> all day long, like I was able to do with some of the other trials and I'm able to like uh, uh, Derek Chauvin, where I was able to just run CNN in the background and listen to it all day while I did other things. This one, uh, it's really requires, and not just me, anybody it, reporting on it, to wait till uh, the end of the day and spend through the uh, unbiased news coming out of it and then seeing what if any transcripts the court makes available and how timely they do it. So I expect that this will probably be a twice weekly thing unless something particularly explosive comes out i will definitely be doing another episode on this within the next couple of days because we will be at the very least covering the opening arguments i expect that transcripts of the opening arguments will come out fairly quickly because again that gives everybody a direction, uh, some idea of where both the defense and the prosecution plans to go with their case and even before they put witnesses on we get what it is that they're trying to do and what it is that they're trying to accomplish so that stuff will come out fairly quickly, and all the commentators will be chomping at the bit to get to it, me included. So stay tuned because I will definitely be covering this case and a few others that continue to come up. Lord knows those housewives have been keeping a sister busy as well. Um, Britney Spears, some things are definitely popping off uh, quite nicely to her favor there. Nothing completely firm on that because the next hearings have been put off, I think, until at least September. So we've been, you know, there's been some things in the news, um, but none of that is really firm yet. So nothing I need to do a full episode about, but definitely stay tuned, subscribe. Also, if you're interested in following some of the news and fun that we do every day, entertainment, news, politics, all of that, follow me and join in on the fun at the Fashion and Drama Diaries on Facebook. Lots of information, lots of fun, more of my snark, not necessarily quite as serious. Although as we go through this R. Kelly trial, you guys know me, there will be a lot that we will lighten up and not make as heavy as tonight, but Tonight, I just wanted to give you the information. We'll lighten it up uh, as we go on. Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm actually pretty impressed with myself keeping this at only a little more than an hour because there was so much information. So thank you very much for tuning in. And you can follow me. For those of your friends and family who didn't get to listen to this episode, this is going to be put up i think we had a little um issue at the very beginning with a technical issue so i got to get my tech person to fix that for me but i still plan to have this up by the morning so you'll be able to listen on all podcast platforms if you missed anything uh slovell also asked how do you give five stars well i'm glad that you asked uh go on iTunes because we're trying to trend babies so go on iTunes listen give it five stars give it a review tell everybody to listen i am on every podcast platform so this episode will be up either late tonight or uh, first thing in the morning on uh, here on Podbean Google Amazon Verbal Spotify i uh, what is it iTunes definitely um a cast and tune in so make sure that you go out there uh my email is up if you have any questions send them to me you have any tea you know anybody involved in all of this and you want me to talk to them make sure that you send that information to me i'll be happy to vet them and talk to them as well i also expect to have one of my other favorite attorneys come on uh miss eva and we're going to chop it up about this as well just like you heard us do um on the chauvin case a few months ago so we're going to have a good time with this and we are also launching the new the YouTube page within the next week as well. So my tech guy who is also uh, my wonderful son is going to help me do that. And we weren't ready to get that going next week. So you until this week, so you'll also get to see my face as well. So as we uh, take this journey and continue, take this podcast to the next level. So remember if you want to talk about it and you're interested in it, chances are I'm interested in it and want to talk about it too. So let's be honest together. Good night. And no, I didn't have my musical outro ready. So at this point, I don't really care. (laughs) Good night, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye.